Today's podcast is sponsored by Institutional Grade Potluck Green Beans. Jesus may have freed you from your sins, but you'll be eating like you're still in lockup until he gets back for every major holiday. You're listening to the daily podcast of St. Mark Lutheran Church of Bemidji, Minnesota, a practical daily dip into the Word of God. We are excited that you have joined us to listen and to consider the Word of God from wherever and whenever you are listening. This podcast is published four times weekly. Three times during the week, we feature a short devotional. And on Sundays, we replay the Sunday sermon from our church, or occasionally from another Wells church. If you'd like to give our weekday program a spin, we're going through our daily prayer series on the Gospels and the Book of Acts. Each day, we take a quick but thoughtful dive into a verse or two from one of these five potent accounts of the earthly ministry of Jesus and the early church. If you're interested in learning more about our ministry, you might want to take a look-see at www.stmarksbemidji.org. You may also want to subscribe to our YouTube channel for video podcasts, friend us on Facebook, or on Instagram. If you have trouble finding us, just look in the show notes of the podcast for the links. I also want to hear from you. If you have any feedback whatsoever on the podcast or you just want to say hi, drop me a line at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. The March of Victory Unity marches victorious over diversity. Unity is a rare commodity in our world. Usually, differences lead to division. For unity to happen, it usually requires that all differences be eliminated. However, rather than eliminate diversity, the unity of Christ's church is built on truths that transcend all differences. Through faith in Jesus, every member is united to Him through the gospel. We are united in the fact that we are sinners, and no matter how old or how young, how great or small, we are united in the fact that we have been washed clean of sin. We are united in the hope of heaven that we share. This is the unity, the communion of saints, diverse yet united. Our sermon for today is based upon a reading from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26, and it's called the answer to Jesus' prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. We now join Pastor Zanzo for the sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our risen and ascended Lord, amen. 
I assume at one time in life or another, we've all been in a spot where we feel like our prayers aren't being answered. Perhaps we feel as though they're falling on deaf ears. Perhaps we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and we're wondering how long, Lord, how long is it going to take You to answer this request of mine? Or do You hear me at all? go to God fervently in prayer and we wonder if He hears us or not. There's an interesting aspect to this Gospel reading that we heard for us. Uh, we heard just a few moments ago from John chapter 17. We hear Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying on behalf of His disciples, praying on behalf of His church. What do you think about that prayer that Jesus uttered? Does it seem to you as though Jesus' prayer was answered? Jesus prays for unity. But we see the divisions in Christianity as a whole. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of different denominations. We see divisions and disunity even among ourselves as human beings. We see divisions and disunity in ourselves even as a congregation. And yet we hear our Savior pray this. My prayer is not for them alone, that is the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that You have sent Me. Was Jesus' prayer answered? We hear those words and we hear Jesus' prayer for Christian unity and we think, impossible. That He wants all believers to be one and share in this perfect unity that exists. The perfect unity that exists between the Father and the Son. How can that be possible? This is the Son of God praying, and to our eyes, it appears as though Jesus' prayer has fallen on deaf ears. We see some huge growing megachurches in, in our country, in our nation, that will use these, this prayer of Jesus as some sort of proof passage that every Christian should just unite, that we should all just link arms despite our doctrinal differences, despite our difference in doctrine and practice? Are those big, growing, massive megachurches onto something with their interpretation of Jesus' prayer? Should we just link arms and sing kumbaya and just seek the lowest common denominator when it comes to what we believe? Is that what Jesus is praying about here? Is Jesus praying about growing for the sake of numbers? Does He say, is He praying that we grow into some massive, visible organization? No, He doesn't pray that at all. Jesus is praying about spiritual unity. He's talking about the, the, the spiritual church, the spiritual unity. He prays for all believers of all time. Not just one body, not just one church, local congregation. Jesus says, he prays for His disciples and He prays, I pray also for those who will believe in Me through their message. Through the message of the apostles. And what was that? 
And we hear that, hear that earlier in John's Gospel when he says, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. That's what the church proclaims in unity. Now, sadly enough, there's an organization called the WCC, the World Council of Churches. Supposedly a Christian organization. Yet that supposedly Christian organization, that large body of churches, the WCC, has a really fishy, very hazy, uncertain statement when it comes to who Jesus is. What kind of confession is that? What kind of witness is that to the world? If you ask even one of our first-year catechism students, if you ask maybe even a first grader why Jesus came in here, if you ask one of those little kids who was sitting up here this morning, why did Jesus come into the world? Maybe an older kid will recite to you John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son. Maybe a little kid will say, Jesus came to die for my sins. That's a confession of faith. That's the message. That's what Jesus is talking about growing in. That message. Simply stated, Jesus wants us first to grow in His Word. How important is it then that we continually feed our faith by coming to church and going to Bible study and gathering here at the altar for the sacraments? Sitting in on a Bible class where we can really dig down and dig deep into God's Word and grow in our faith and grow in our ability to confess who our Savior is and what He came here to do. And as we do, we are an answer to Jesus' prayer. Jesus says a list of impossible, seemingly impossible things in this prayer. The next one, Jesus says that we might see His glory. He asked God the Father that we might see His glory. Surely we've not seen anything so spectacular. Jesus, yet Jesus prays, Father, I want those You have given Me to be with Me where I am and to see My glory, the glory You have given Me because You have loved Me before the creation of the world. You gotta wait till we die? Is the glory of Christ in the world right now? If so, to our pure human eyes, it seems awfully difficult to see it. But what is the glory of Christ? Where is it found? Is it found in might and power and riches? Is the glory of Christ? Christ found in blazing light shining down from the sky? Is the glory of Jesus seen or felt in some profound, moving, emotional experience or feeling? No. The glory of Christ is found in humble things. In what some have called the holy ordinary. Jesus wants us to be where He is and to see His glory. And where is Jesus now? He is here. As we, His people, gather around His Word when we come to church and worship. And we hear of His glory. And we ponder His glory while we are here. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, this one hour 
This one hour has nothing to do with this earth. This one hour, we don't speak of political parties. We don't speak of politicians. We don't speak of arms races. We don't speak of starving masses. We don't talk about the wars overseas. None of it. We don't speak of those things here because this one hour has nothing to do with earth. This one hour speaks of sin and grace and forgiveness and eternal life and the glories of heaven that our Lord Jesus wants us to see. This one hour reminds each and every one of us that one day we will see our Lord Jesus in glory. As we gather here in church, we see things that are timeless and uncommon. We sing hymns that are timeless and uncommon. We follow a liturgy that is timeless and uncommon. We say creeds and we say prayers that are timeless and uncommon. We see things in church that you don't see in your 9 to 5 and your business cash and the rest of the rest of the week. Nothing else in your week will look like this. The service, the divine service, the worship service wants to be different. It wants to be weird. Because it wants to remind you that it is timeless and uncommon. Just as your relationship with your Savior Jesus is timeless and uncommon. And that the, His glory in heaven is the glory that awaits you. And that your citizenship is not just down here, but it is up there with Him in glory when you shut your eyes in death. This one hour is where the Lord Jesus comes to us and He meets us and He serves us by His Word in His sacrament and His body and blood given for you that we might be reminded of the other side of this table in heaven. That we might lift our eyes for a moment off of this dull, drab world and see the glory of Jesus that awaits us there. We glorify Jesus in worship by the way that we worship because He has glorified us here in this one simple hour. And as we do... We are the answer to Jesus' prayer. I said we don't speak about the things of this world when we gather here for worship. Arms races, wars overseas, etc., etc., political parties, you name it. We don't speak of those things yet. Yet. God sends us out. God sends us out to live in that world. And that's what we're here to do. To build ourselves up, to strengthen ourselves, to grow in His Word, to focus on His glory so that we can go and live lives that are empowered by His Word to go out and face that world. And this is what Jesus prays about next. Another seemingly impossible thing. Jesus says, He speaks of the church's purpose. Your purpose. The purpose of His, his apostles. The purpose of His disciples. Jesus says, Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Friends, we know why Jesus was sent. We know why He came into the world. 
We know what His Word tells us to pay for the sins of every man, woman, and child who has ever drawn breath. We know of the glory that awaits us of all those who call upon Jesus' name. And we know of this timeless and uncommon message even for the chief of sinners. So do we sit on our hands then in consternation? And wonder who's going to take this message out to the world? Are we disheartened, perhaps, by our own inabilities or our own shortcomings or our own divisions? Do we say, what in the world can we possibly do? We few people up here in northern Minnesota and Bemidji, what can we possibly do? Friends, we know the glory and the unity of Jesus in a world that only knows difference and divisions. We know the truth of God's Word and who we are in Christ and what Jesus has done, not just for you, not just for me, but for the whole world. We know that truth in a world that says, well, every opinion is valid. Every person has their own truth. But then on the other hand, we'll say, if you don't believe that, then you're wrong. A little bit of a double standard there. The world loves its dividing lines. The world loves its divisions even if it claims not to. We love our dividing lines. We love our divisions, even if we claim not to. We live in a world and we have a sinful nature that hates the true message that there is a true and lasting unity to be found in Christ Jesus. And we ought not be surprised by it. Jesus tells us, even in this prayer, He said, the world will hate you on account of Me. Yet it is into that world that the Lord says, go. It is into that world that, says, that Jesus says, go and make me known. Make my love known to every people of every tribe, every race, every language. Consider how Jesus Himself crossed and broke the divisions and the dividing lines even in His own day. Even as He went to the, the Samaritan, just consider for a second the Samaritan woman at the well. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. And on top of that, Jesus even crosses gender lines and gender rules for back in those days. A man didn't just walk up to a woman and talk to her. Especially somebody from a different race. Especially a Jew to a Samaritan? No way. But Jesus didn't go to that well to get water. He went to that well for her. Even on Palm Sunday, the Lord Jesus calls all people to Himself. He, even, he says as, as that gr group of Greek men meets Him inside the gates and they say, we want to see Jesus. Jesus says, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people to Myself. Jesus came to shatter the dividing lines that we set up as sinful human beings. What are ours? Politics? Politicians? Is it age? The older generation? The boomers looking at the millennials and the millennials looking at Gen Z? Each one looking down their nose at the other one saying, what in the world is wrong with them? Is it perhaps on some levels race? Now, One thing that's kind of, uh, having lived here now for four years, one thing that I've noticed in Bemidji something that's unique to our community, it seems as though very much so we have 
the Native Americans who do their thing and the white folks that do their thing. And there is a dividing line there. But friends, we don't have a rich person's gospel. We don't have a young person's gospel. We don't have a, we don't have a white man's gospel. No, we have a gospel from a person that lived 2,000 years ago who was from a tribal nation. In fact, Jesus Himself, even if you look at Him just in this person, He actually has more in common physically with the Native American than He does with us. White Anglo-Europeans. We happen to be the messenger that carry it and to, and to share it. But the Lord Jesus has called us to shatter these dividing lines. As we focus on God and His Word and what Jesus has told us, Jesus shows us that none of those dividing lines that we value so highly or that, that stop us or prevent us from sharing the Gospel with people, none of that matters. Jesus shows us that the real dividing line, the only division that ever really mattered, was the one that, that existed between sinful people and holy God. And that line is washed away, gone, blended away. Is no more because of what Christ has done. We go and speak of Jesus' glory and the glory that He won for us. So you see, there's almost a circular thing happening here. We grow in His Word. We grow in our understanding of who our Savior Jesus is. We gather every single week and we, remind, we are reminded of who we are that in the cross of Christ, I glory. In Jesus' resurrection, I glory. In the hope of heaven, I glory. And then we go and we speak to a world that doesn't know the true unity and the true hope that you and I have. When do you learn the best? When does a person learn the best? When you teach. You learn the best when you teach. Do you see the circle completed? We grow, and then we go and we share that message. As we grow and we dive into God's Word, and then we go and we share it as we speak it, and as we become comfortable with it, as we share it, it in itself empowers us. And as we do this, as we go out to a lost and dying world, We are an answer to Jesus' prayer. This is the message that unites the church of all time and all place and every space. As the Holy Spirit works through, His, works through His church, gathers people from different incomes and backgrounds and languages and ethnicities, we all kneel and confess that we have sinned, but we have a risen Savior and a sure hope of eternal life in heaven. So brothers and sisters, as we ponder these words of the Gospel of our Lord Jesus for today. Let us grow together in His Word. Let's glorify our risen Savior because He's glorified us. And let's go out to that world and teach that message, the only message that can truly unite souls in the hope and the unity and the love of God. And as we do that, Jesus' prayer isn't unanswered. Jesus' prayer did not fall on deaf ears. We 
are the answer to Jesus' prayer. That's all there is for today, but we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this, Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.org.